to Sugar Coated. I'm your host, Adrian Garland, the CEO and founder of She Leads Media. For far too long, women have been conditioned to sugarcoat their words, their actions, and the way they show up in the world, and to conform to certain cultural norms and ideals. This is inherently designed to keep those who are outside of the norm from gaining power, prestige, wealth, and influence, preventing more women from being recognized and respected as the powerful leaders that we truly are. Join me each week as we dive into raw conversations with remarkable, uncompromising, and inspirational women that will encourage you to strip away your sugar coating and move boldly in the direction of your magnificent dreams. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Sugar Coated. I'm so excited because today is a very special episode. I am very excited to welcome my first man guest to Sugar Coated. His name is Dr. Michael Green, and he's a board-certified OBGYN, and he specializes in hormone replacement therapy. And I think that so many of us women and women entrepreneurs at some point in our lives go through issues that we don't always realize are related to our changing hormones. Uh, Being an entrepreneur and always sort of being in this, you know, stress state also can contribute to some of the issues that we may see later on in life. So I wanted to invite Dr. Green on the show so that he can talk to us just about our hormones, how they affect us, how, you know, as entrepreneurs, our hormones can, you know, help uh, or harm us, especially when we're in this high, when we're in this high stress state. So welcome to Sugar Coated, Dr. Green. Hi, thanks. I'm really excited to be here. Appreciate the opportunity to talk to your people. I, I really love the little story that you shared with me uh, right before we got on because it just goes to show that, you know, from somewhere when you were young, maybe there was a propensity to be in company with women. So can you just share that little quick story that you sure. let, let me know about? Yeah, so my brother and I were the first uh, males, the first boys ever to attend Griffith Park Girls Camp. My mom was one of the biggest Girl Scout leaders in the L.A. area at the time. And we were both little kids. I have two older sisters. Um, And so she said, well, I'm not going to bring my troop unless I can bring my two boys because she was a a single mom and didn't have childcare. And uh, we were pretty small. So they said, yeah, sure. So my brother and I (laughs) attended uh, Griffith Park Girls Camp. Of course, (laughs) we were too young to really appreciate it. Um, (laughs) But we do have that distinction as well. I love it. I think that that is so adorable. So... Dr. Green, can you please let us know how you sort of got into this whole area of study and then practice uh, with hormone replacement therapy? Sure. So when I went through medical school, you know, they give us a little bit of a taste of all the different things. And I actually liked every rotation I was on. So I decided, well, I should probably be a family doc because they do everything. So I went to, I did a family practice residency at Ventura County Medical Center And about halfway through, I started realizing that I really didn't like taking care of sick people. It was just too depressing. (laughs) But I loved delivering babies. I really loved women's health. And everyone was telling me I had good surgical hands and I was wasting talent. So I finished my uh, family practice residency and then uh, took to the second residency in OBGYN um, and really at that point committed to 
you know, a, a life career of uh, doing women's health. Mm. And so that's sort of how, how I got into it. Honestly, it was sort of catching babies that was the most exciting part. I mean, it's just, it's like the only place in the hospital where people are happy to be there. And it's a really such a huge day of everybody's life and you get to be part of it. So it's really fun. Yeah. But I really also um, embrace the women's health. You know, women have sort of gotten ripped off in the healthcare field and there's just, there's not as much studies. There's not as much interest. And I don't really understand why. Um, I mean, the pharmaceutical companies make just as much money on women as men, but it's the way it's been. It's starting to change, but, you know, there just isn't the same, there hasn't been the same kind of focus. And um, menopause management in particular has really kind of gotten uh, left behind. What happened was I finished residency in uh, 1999. That's when I started practicing. And back in those days, we thought hormone replacement therapy was like vitamins. We gave it to everybody, um, right. really inappropriately looking back. But at the <laughs> time, it's what we thought was the right thing. I mean, we were prescribing it to 75-year-old women, 80-year-old women. You know? mm. Then the Women's Health Initiative study came out and um, basically said, hey, wait a minute, this isn't a vitamin, this is a medicine. And there's risks like other medications. And mm. everyone needs to sort of step back and do this better. But, of course, that's not what the headlines said. The headlines were... You know, your doctor's trying to kill you with hormones. Hormones are dangerous. You know, don't take hormones. And everybody sort of freaked out, patients yeah. and doctors, and everyone stopped prescribing hormone replacement therapy, like, overnight. And yeah. women really suffered from that. It was it was really kind of ugly to go through. And then pendulum has really very slowly started to swing back into some more reasonableness. And it turns out that actually for most people, hormone therapy, Replacement therapy is actually a really good thing and can be really helpful. Mm. It just needs to be prescribed like other medications where you need to make sure that it's a safe thing and, you know, look at the risks and use it that way. But what happened for a lot of doctors, um, there's a lot of young doctors, I say young, um, you know, younger than me, not necessarily the ones that are just fresh out. There was a good 10, 15 year period where people weren't being trained on how to use hormone replacement therapy. Mm. Um, and so there's doctors out there that are like, well, I was in residency and they said, oh, don't even bother wasting your time on this because no one's prescribing it anymore. Mm. It's like an old, you know, there's no point taking a history lesson. Yeah. Um, you got uh, too many more important things to learn. And so people are not prepared to do this. Mm. I have a lot of patients uh, that come to me that their regular OBGYN just as a blanket statement, oh, I don't prescribe home replacement therapy. Mm. And so they're just sort of left out in the cold. And so it's a big problem um, in this particular field, even more so than some of the other things. Um, you know, women's health hasn't gotten the attention that it deserves. Yeah. So this has sort of been a big thing for me to, you know, having kind of gone through this transition and seeing the problems that it caused trying to help out and, and provide that obviously in a safe way. Yeah. So, you know, there, I think what happens is, so many times women experience, you know, issues, what, whatever that is, you know, ranging from emotional issues to physical issues. And they sometimes run into where they can't get answers. You know, how can someone know that the issue is not just because they're feeling like they're going crazy or, you know, that this pain that they've had for so long could actually be something having to do with their hormone levels. How can someone 
almost, you know, advocate for themselves if they do have some type of a doctor that says, I don't do hormone replacement therapy. How can we like ask ourselves, hey, is this hormones? And where can we, you know, go and and get the help that we need? Sure. So there are sort of a cluster of symptoms that, that tend to run together. And like, thankfully, almost nobody has all of them, but most people get some of them. And so the obvious ones are the hot flashes on the night sweats, and people, I think, are pretty aware of that. Mm-hmm. But less than half of women actually have that when they present for hormone replacement therapy. So there's a lot of other things that go with it. Brain fog is uh, a really important one mm-hmm. that a lot of times people don't match up with mm-hmm. uh, with dropping hormones. And particularly important because, you know, at the age where women start doing this is sort of when they're peaking in their career and, and they, you know, they really need to be operating full blast, so to speak. Yeah. And that brain fog can be crippling, um, particularly in the workplace. Um, and sometimes people don't add that up. So that's a, a really important one. Sleep disturbances, not being able to sleep well, sometimes because of night sweats, but sometimes just they don't sleep well can certainly be uh, an, another one that's sort of a little bit more subtle and not as obvious, but can be there. There can be changes in the skin and, and hair that mm-hmm. are gradual and sort of sneak up on you, but, you know, are present. And there can be changes in the vaginal tissue, some vaginal dryness. You know, lubrication is good. There can be some pain, particularly, you know, you know some urinary leaking. All those things mm-hmm. um, sort of sort of go together. Mm-hmm. There's a, a lot of these symptoms. Joint pain is actually a fairly common symptom that people don't necessarily um, consider as part of menopause transition, but it's certainly actually a fairly common one and often responds quite well to hormone replacement therapy. Mm. And weight weight gain too? I mean, or, or difficult, d- difficulty losing weight that you would have been able to lose no problem, you know, 10 years ago. Exactly. Yeah. That and also distribution of weight changing. Mm. So women go from having that sort of hourglass shape to having more of like a apple shape and mm. the weight tends to accumulate in the midsection and particularly the weight that you sort of see in the midsection is one thing, but there's also weight accumulating inside what we call visceral fat, which is actually medically dangerous. And so that's uh, that can be really because of hormone changes and metabolism where the body ends up putting fat down. And so that's an important change as well. Yeah. And all of those things, I mean... I like how you said that the brain fog is actually a symptom because I think what happens is when you are, you know, at that at that stage of your life where you are trying to advance in your career, you probably have, you know, family issues, kids going to college, all of that kind of stuff. You just think to yourself or, you know, you're starting a business, leaving the corporate world you know, I just have too much on my mind, right? So that's why I can't right. recall a word that should be a simple word to recall, or you can't remember a certain fact, you you know, you know. And so I like to hear that brain fog is a symptom because that is definitely something for me that I do have trouble sometimes. And it's incredibly frustrating to me because I've, I never had any trouble like that in the past. So, you know, you start to think to yourself, what is this early dementia? (laughs) Right. No, it's scary. Yeah. Yeah. It's scary. And I think, you know, that's a a big key. Um, Something that you've never really had in the past and all of a sudden is showing up, you know, that's sort of a red flag. Hey, something's changing in my body, Mm. you know, 
I mean, we all have our own personality quirks. And, you know, if this has been going on since you're a teenager, it probably doesn't have anything to do with that. Right. <laughs> but, you know, all of a sudden something's different. It's like, hey, you know, it didn't used to be like this. What's going on? And that's yeah. the time to start thinking, hey, is my body changing? The other thing is that this tends to happen a lot younger than people think. Mm. You know, in, in the U.S., the average age of completing menopause is 51. But these symptoms often start 10 years before menopause is completed. Completing menopause at 51? That's average. Yeah. No. Yeah. But, you know, that's an average. So half yeah. the people are later and half are earlier. Well, right. that would be a medium, but you know what I'm wow. saying. Um, so, you know, a big portion are, are later. But, yeah, it's a lot earlier than you think. Mm. And the interesting thing is, you know, at least 10% of women actually have completed menopause by 45. Whoa. Which means that if you dial that back, people start having symptoms, those people would start having symptoms at 35. Yeah. So um, it really starts earlier. Most people are surprised, like, well, I'm too young for this to be that. Yeah. And you can still have your, you know, regular periods. Sometimes the periods changing can be a really late sign. Mm -hmm. So people will still be having normal regular periods, but start to have these symptoms of the menopause transition. Mm -hmm. And so that's another thing that sort of tricks people and fools them to think that that's not what's causing it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, you're at 35, it's like you're a young woman. And if you go to, you know, your doctor, especially the ones that are sort of in that category that you described, like, I don't do hormone replacement therapy, you're going to be dismissed, right? You're too young. I don't do this. And then it kind of sets up this frustration for women. So like advice for that 35-year-old who is feeling like there's something awry, you know, that hasn't happened to, to her in the past, what kind of, what can she do to like either advocate for herself or go find like a resource or something like that? So, I mean, you know, if you have a good doctor, um, that would be a, a good place to start. And if they sort of dismiss you and, you know, poo-poo it or blow you off or don't give you the attention or willing to go down that pathway, then Fortunately, you know, telehealth has become very available. Mm. And so going online, and that's what, you know, I, uh, we have a company that's a hormone replacement therapy telehealth company called Winona. Mm. And it's surprising to me how many people come to me and tell me, you know, they've already been to their doctor, their doctor either dismissed them or they just don't do hormone replacement therapy or they're not comfortable with this. And so, you know, I take over that part of their care mm. and listen to them and, you know, get them on the right track. That sounds amazing. So can you talk a little bit about Winona? Uh, and was it named after Winona Ryder? <laughs> it was not. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so Winona is a, is a telehealth company. It, and honestly, I wasn't involved in the naming, but I have a feeling it was just they were looking for a name that sounded good <laughs> and, and was was available you know, yep. on the internet. So um, that's how these namings tend to go. Yep. But we do hormone replacement therapy. Um, we use bioidentical hormones uh, because I think they're safer and more effective. Mm -hmm. And we have a variety. We, we do pills, patches, and creams, depending on kind of what's safest for the patient, what the patient desires. We are right now... Where are we at? 17, we're about to add our 18th state, okay. which services about 60% of the U.S. population. So um, we may not be there yet for all of you, but we're a fairly new startup and rapidly expanding. That's so interesting. I, I know 
I don't, I don't know if Winona is available in New York, but I know that like there are some tests that New York just doesn't allow you. Like if you take some blood test and, and send it back in, like New York does not allow that. So is Winona in New York only because I'm here? Yeah, unfortunately we're not. New York yeah. is a hard state to play in, unfortunately. Yeah. We would love to be in New York, but it's going to be a while. It's We're probably at least a year away from New York. Okay, that's um, not too bad. That is not too bad. That yeah. gives uh, uh, some of our, you know, uh, us New Yorkers hope because I mean, I think that's something too that could be, you know, it's very uh, convenient to be able to turn to someone online that you have access to that can help you rather than trying to, you know, go around and and find a, a provider in your area. You know, you almost have to do a lot of research and find out, you know, from other people, there are functional medicine doctors that I have, uh, you know, come across that are, are really good. I'm actually uh, working with someone and I actually have an appointment later today, but she's a fun, she's an OBGYN and she's a function and now a functional medicine practitioner. So, you know, I love that they're sort of looking at the person from a holistic point of view. And I, th- I think hormones kind of factor into that. Yeah, that can be really helpful. And that's the kind of person I think you have a good chance of, you know, listening to what's really going on. Um, so yeah. that's, a, that's a, a good way to go. Yeah. Yeah, I've talked to patients where I kind of joke with them, you know, they're like, well, what's the difference between this and what I can get from my doctor? It's like, well, you can make an appointment and wait a month or two to get in yeah, and then sit in the waiting room for an hour and then the little room and then your doctor may or may not write you a prescription and then you got to take that over to the pharmacy and wait at the pharmacy and then if you're like me buy your ice cream cone on the way out which probably is yeah. a healthy thing <laughs> you know or or you can you know click on us and we take care of you right away so there's a convenience factor that um, telehealth provides yeah, um, and that you can do it from your home, and we, you know, mail order the prescriptions to you. Yeah, that is really. So telehealth is a new, yeah, it's sort of an emerging branch of of healthcare, yeah. which is becoming more and more accepted. COVID really sort of taught us that this is actually a safe way to do it, and you know, for some things, for for some things, it's not appropriate, obviously, but for a lot of things, it is. And home replacement therapy is one that it actually it really works well with telehealth. Yeah. Because you don't really need a physical exam. Um, labs really aren't important um, for hormone replacement therapy. So it's very simple to do online mm. um, and can be done safely and, and, and well. I love that. Um, and that's the important thing. And how does that work? Just this is like a business question. Like how does, how does telehealth yeah. work when you're a U.S.-based company? Does that, are people who are international able to take advantage of this? Uh, not right now. Healthcare in particular is, um, there are so many rules and regulations, um, and they're different in each state and obviously in each country. We actually, I just actually did have a conversation with, uh, this fantastic OBGYN in Australia. It was actually kind of a funny story. My son's girlfriend happened to be sitting next to her at a Hmm. function and was telling her about Winona. And she's, She's like eminently qualified. She's like publishing original research on on hormone replacement therapy. So oh. we had a conversation and she was is super excited to see if it's any way we can get this going um, yeah. in Australia. So, I mean, we're yeah. at the one conversation, there but there you but, go. Uh, yeah. International uh, yeah, expansion yeah. is on the horizon. <laughs> <There you laughs> yeah. I you love never it. Know. But yeah, it's funny how, uh, how those relationships just sort of show up. 
You know, I, I, I love this so much. And you mentioned it at the beginning, but in a lot of ways, women have been you know, pushed aside or not taken seriously or whatever it is. And I do think that a lot of the innovations have come from, you know, women advocating for themselves, of course, but also, like you just mentioned, the COVID phenomenon, it it, it sort of gave us the opportunity to interact online and not almost have that layer. I don't even know what it is. It's like layer of authority telling us you have to go to the doctor or the doctor knows the best. You can't figure this out on your own little girl, <laughs> you know, because I do think that a lot of the medical industry has had that type of approach where the doctor knows best. And it's not that the doctor doesn't have all of the skills and all of the requirements and they, they can absolutely help you, but it's more of the relationship between the doctor and the patient that can, I think, uh, lead to much better outcomes. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, you know, medicine used to be really paternalistic, you know, where exactly doctor knows best, listen to your doctor, you know, you know, don't question the authority. Yeah. But really, I think we're really moving towards this area of what we call shared decision making. Mm. And honestly, I see my job really as an educator. Mm. I have a lot of expertise and information that the patient may not have. But the patient has all this personal experience that I don't have. And right. so, and ultimately, she's the one that is going to have to take the treatment and for better or for worse, the consequences of that. Yeah. Um, and so my job really is to sort of explain things, educate. This is what, you know, I think is going on. This is why I think it's going on. This is how I think it would best be helped. Here's some other options. Mm. What sounds like it'll work best for you mm. and a conversation that way. I think you end up with the best outcomes. Yeah, uh, I love that. Now you have a you have a YouTube channel, correct? That that provides this type of education. Uh, yeah, so we're very heavy on you know on all the various social medias. Also on our website, we have a very robust um, library of articles that were written by me and and some of the other folks that are all referenced, talking about all the various aspects of uh, the menopause transition, hormone replacement therapy what works, what doesn't, um, what the options are, you know, some of the subtleties of the different approaches. Um, so um, it's a pretty robust um, sort of library of content really uh, designed to educate. I also um, do a, I do a monthly live Q and a for our patients. You know, they, they send in, the, you know, they type in their questions and I answer them um, real time. And we do that every month to, you know, to try to engage and again educate. Yeah, I think that's really important. Now that that is just solely for clients. That's not something that that you know, like I can't be a client because I'm in New York. <laughs> well, no, you can still sign up for that. So, okay. um, yeah, if you go on our yeah, if you go on our website and you go on the live Q and A, you can attend that. You don't have to actually um, be a patient of ours. Mm. That's a really, really helpful resource in, in, in addition to everything that's on the website. So we will make sure to include all of that in the show notes because I know that so many people will be very interested in, in hearing about that. I, I just think that this is such a, a big topic and something that, you know, women are incredibly interested in. We do want to live, you know, vibrant, healthy lives throughout our, our, our lifetime. And so many women do start businesses later in life after they've, you know, had a corporate career and then they want to do something that's going to really make a difference. 
And I think having your health is something that can allow your business to thrive. Um, And so I'm just kind of curious, do you also, you know, see a lot of women entrepreneurs or, you know, corporate women coming into the practice? We do. I mean, we, we see people, you know, of all walks of life, obviously. We do see a lot of people. It's that sort of, it's that time of life when people are doing, you know, there's this whole second career thing, yeah, um, which is very common. And this is that sort of age when people are sort of transitioning to their second career, the same time when the menopause yeah. transition tends to take place. So it's, it's yeah. kind of a bad crossover. Um, it but, is a bad crossover. <laughs> you know, fortunately, yeah, there's, there, there's help for that. And there isn't any reason that has to hold you behind because it's completely treatable. Yeah. And there's no reason not to feel like your normal self. Mm. Yeah, there, that is, uh, we do see a lot of people like that. Yeah, I love that. So I think, you know, just talking and having this whole conversation, it seems like Winona and, and you, Dr. Green, are incredible resources for women entrepreneurs, for women in general. And I'm super excited to just dive in deep into the the website and the YouTube channel and the Q&A and all of that kind of stuff. But before we kind of wrap up here, you know, is there anything else that I might not have asked you that you would love to communicate to our audience? Yeah, there's a lot of fear out there and a lot of sort of misinformation and misinterpretation of data. And people think that, you know, hormone therapy is really risky. It's going to give them cancer or cause them problems down the line. And that's not the truth at all, really. For appropriately screened women, which obviously we do, that start hormone replacement therapy under 60, their life expectancy is actually longer than women that have never had hormone replacement therapy wow. at all. And that's because it actually decreases cardiovascular risk. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Heart attacks and those issues are really the leading cause of death of all yeah. you know, women and men. And so if uh, hormone replacement therapy is, is, is done appropriately, it really decreases those, those risks and improves quality of life. So it does slightly increase the risk of breast cancer, but it's really slight. And the benefits on the other side of cancer, it decreases risk of colon cancer. When it's done appropriately, it decreases risk of uterine cancer. Mm. You know, those are the cancers that it actually decreases at risk. So when you take the whole thing in a balance, women that are on hormone replacement therapy live longer and live healthier than women who have not been on it. Um, and so that's a common sort of misconception. And it's unfortunate when people don't get the good stuff because of fear based on bad information. Yeah. Those are a really common objections or questions that people come forward with that, you know, usually we can educate through, but it's just, there's so much bad information out there and so much fear, even from, you know, there are well-intentioned doctors um, that haven't been trained well because of sort of, you know, all this history that's gone on. Well, thank you so much. This has been incredibly educational for me, and I'm sure for the sugar-coated audience as well. As I mentioned, we'll put everything in the show notes so people can go over to your website. They can check and see if you know they are able to take advantage of Winona and then to keep checking back because you are expanding, expanding. So I just thank you so much for spending time with me here today and for being the first man on the show. Uh, but the, the fact that you were talking all about women is is really why I wanted you here. And so I appreciate you and your time so much. Thank you so much, Dr. Green. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's been a nice conversation. Okay. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you.
is the She Leads Podcast Network.